I'm Christine Chicanu, and this is the Wandering Hippie Podcast. So I am here to talk about travel, how to travel cheaply, how to travel as a solo woman, um, and just share some of the fun stories that I experienced and maybe convince you to add some of the places to your bucket list. So to start off, I am talking about Mexico City. I'm super excited. I am no longer in Mexico City, unfortunately. I'm in cold Michigan, but I think about the sun that I left behind on a daily basis, and I will definitely be returning back to Mexico City very, very, very soon. So this is going to be a three-part series, a little mini-series, if you will. So part one is going to focus on logistics, prices that I paid, how the transportation works, the weather, food, where to stay, all of that good stuff. And then part two will focus on where to go, things that I did, more of the touristy aspect of things. And then the third episode will just kind of be the storytelling. I love storytelling. I think it's very important. So if that's more your speed, you're going to listen to the third episode in the series. All right, let's talk logistics. So Mexico City is about double the square footage or the square miles of New York City. So double the land size. But the amount of people is almost the same. Mexico City has a little bit more people, but it's still, you know, about eight and a half million people live in both Mexico City and New York City, which is crazy. The price of living for a one-bedroom apartment in the city center of Mexico City is $500, and in comparison, for a one-bedroom apartment in Manhattan, the middle of the city is about $3,000. So I actually lived in New York City. I kind of technically still live in New York City. Um, And yeah, that sounds about right to me. I lived in Brooklyn, which is not the city center, and the cheapest prices that I could find, I was still paying almost $1,000 a month to be in a four-bedroom apartment with a one-bathroom. So that's insane. So if you want to you wanna live in a, a cheaper, more spacious city, maybe check out Mexico City. Get some sunshine. Another thing to note is the altitude. Mexico City sits at about 2,250 meters high or... 7,382 feet high, which is about the same as Aspen or Vail, Colorado is. So if you think that it's hot all the time, that's not always the case because of the altitude. So the weather can vary. It's more of a, the two seasons in Mexico City are spring and summer. (laughs) So there you do get some of the spring, you get a little bit of the cooler weather if you're going at certain times of the year. So I went in October, November, and a tiny bit of December. And in the mornings, it would get cold. I would wake up and it would be 45, 50 degrees outside. And then, of course, in the middle of the day, when the sun was at full strength, it was, you know, 75. Sometimes it hit 80. But because the sun was so strong, it felt sometimes that I was in 90 degree weather. So your wardrobe has to accommodate maybe both of those seasons if you're not going in, you know, July. So another thing as well is that inside of the building, so my apartment was 
very cold (laughs) during the day I was always wearing long pants I was wearing a sweater I was wearing a cardigan on top of that sweater thick socks and I luckily came prepared because I was coming cold from Michigan but I only had one sweatshirt and one sweater so I just had to wear them and wash them often so if you're going during that time or even in the summer a lot of places are built to stay cool because they don't have air conditioning a lot of places maybe ask your Airbnb host or ask someone what the weather is like inside the building or I guess what the temperature is inside the building during the day if you can't ask or you don't understand just come prepared with a sweatshirt some socks some more pants just in case in terms of clothing to wear outside like I said earlier the sun is very strong year-round so the UV was 10-9 on average every day at midday so if you're going to be walking around a lot and you have very sensitive skin of course bring sunscreen wear a hat maybe wear lighter clothing so you don't get overheated another thing about clothing is that Mexico City has more of the European vibe in terms of what people are wearing, kind of the streetwear. I saw very, very, very rarely did I see anyone wear shorts, even though it was 80 degrees outside. People were always wearing long pants, usually jeans and like a nicer top. People kind of just dressed up as you would in more European cities. I didn't see people wearing shorts. I didn't see people wearing pajamas like I saw on the streets of New York. Um, And I only saw people wearing sweatpants when they were like sweeping or doing something like right outside of their house so I didn't see people you know like walking around really wearing sweatpants but of course whatever makes you comfortable when you're traveling wear what makes you comfortable but if you want to kind of fit in more which is a good tip to not attract as much attention to yourself dress like the locals next up I'm going to talk about prices so I'm from the U.S. so I'm going to talk about the U.S. prices So my flight, I flew from Chicago, it was a direct flight into Mexico City, and it cost me $300 round trip. I think it was about $296 or $298 to be exact. That also included, I bought one carry-on bag, which was $14 each way. So the airline I flew with, it's called Volaris, it's a Mexican airline, That is very, very similar to Spirit Airlines, where you get just a personal item and you have to kind of add everything else. Very minimal, gets the job done for cheaper flights. My rent was $300 a month. So I stayed in an Airbnb for two months. I stayed in the same place. It was a two-bedroom apartment and the other bedroom was occupied by the owner. So it wasn't another traveler, it was someone who was a local in the area which is what I preferred. So if you've never used Airbnb or rented any anything outside of your country, Airbnb is a good way to go. And there's different options. So you can rent the entire house or entire apartment. There is, um, you can rent a room where usually the other rooms in this place will be rented out to other travelers as well. So that's a good way to meet other travelers. You can rent... A room where you're with the family owner or sometimes it's a floor in their building so you would stay on the first floor or stay in the basement and they would be living in the house and you can also do hostel rentals which Airbnb does as well so there's a lot of different options but I specifically wanted to stay with the owner of the house in some way shape or form or the apartment in this case 
because I was staying for two months, I wanted to know the cheapest place to get my groceries, what the what the best place was to get my groceries, what to do around the area, and all of that. So I wanted to stay with a local, but it is all dependent on what your preferences are. But just don't be afraid to stay with someone from the area. It's really beneficial. In terms of currency exchange, in Mexico they use Mexican pesos. So the exchange rate is about... 20 pesos per dollar it changes often so I think when I went it was closer to 22 pesos per dollar and now it's closer to 20 pesos so I brought with me $300 in pesos so I use Chase Bank and Chase does I'm sure a lot of banks do this but my bank does exchange money for you so I called and asked if they could change into Mexican pesos US dollars to Mexican pesos they said they could. It would take them a couple of days because they had to order it, but they did it. And this way, it's just more of a secure understanding of what you're paying and you kind of have receipts. Whereas if you're exchanging your money in an airport, there the rates could be all over the place. You don't know what's right. You don't know what the best option is, but because it's kind of your last option, you're going to do it anyway. So you can be charged you know, $40 to exchange your money or more or, you know, so if that's something you're comfortable with browsing around in the airport to look for the cheapest exchange rate, go for it. But for me, I like to do it beforehand. And the price that I paid was, I think I paid $20. So I gave them $300 and I got back $280 in Mexican pesos. So that was 6,000 pesos is what I got for my $300, if that makes sense. For food, I'm going to talk more specifically about restaurants in the next episode, but here I'm going to talk about the shopping that I did because I do shop and cook for myself to save money, and because I'm vegan, it's just easier to be secure in what I'm eating if I'm cooking it for myself instead of trying to search for um, restaurants that can accommodate my diet. So I shopped at three different places. There's a Soriana, which is kind of just like a local chain, similar to a Walmart. Or in the Midwest, we have Meyer, similar to Meyer, Giant Eagle in Pittsburgh, stuff like that. We also had a Walmart Super Center, which is very close to me as well. And then I also shopped at a local market, which is where I got most of my fresh fruit and vegetables. So I went there. So the Soriana was five minutes probably less than five minutes away, maybe two minutes away from my house, really right around the corner. The Walmart was seven minute walk and then the local market was a little bit further, maybe about 15 minutes away. But because the weather is nice, I barely caught any rain while I was there. I didn't mind the walk. Like I said, I am vegan, so all of the food that I bought was plants (laughs) so I spent about five dollars or a hundred pesos a week on food which is very very cheap imagine spending five dollars on your food and that included fruits fresh fruits and vegetables so that was amazing I would buy avocados mangoes bananas onions peppers tomatoes jalapenos every week and then every other week I'd buy things like potatoes broccoli mushrooms other random fun fruits that I like to try that were more expensive, but it overall averaged out to about $5 a week. So another point of reference would be what I paid for avocados because I did eat one or two avocados a day. Um, I would buy four avocados at a time usually. 
and they would cost anywhere from about 50 cents for all of those to a dollar. So sometimes the avocados would be 25 cents each or 10 cents each. It depended on the size of them because usually the things went by weight and who the seller was. So if you went to a a stand in the local market where the person was only selling avocados, they were like an avocado grower or they only imported avocados, usually they would be cheaper. And then if you went to a corner store market, which I did every so often if I just needed like an onion or something I'd run around the corner, um, those are where I found it to be more expensive because they had more more options and a lot of things they they didn't grow themselves or they just had to work with a lot of different farmers in order to provide the variety of fruits and vegetables that they had. The corner market also, I would go there probably my last week or two. I went more often because I didn't want to buy too much fresh produce, so I kind of went there every other day. They also sold the best fresh juices, that it was just pure juiced fruits and vegetables. It was so delicious and under a dollar for like a big cup. So I sometimes would buy two. Imagine going to a store in New York City or any city and paying a dollar for a big cup of fresh organic farm juice. Insane. It would be like $12. So I loved that and made me so happy and I miss miss that juice. The next section I want to talk about is the transportation in the city. So there were taxis. I didn't use taxis. I never really use taxis when I'm traveling simply because it's so easy to upcharge someone that obviously looks like a tourist or even just a local. You can be upcharged for, oh, I waited here for five minutes. I'm going to upcharge you. It's hard to kind of gauge what you're going to pay. So I preferred to use Uber. So I used Uber maybe four times in total during my trip. And the most I ever paid for an Uber was $7, and the trip was 30 minutes long, which is a lot cheaper than any other Uber that I've used in any of my countries or cities that I've been in. So Uber was really reliable. I usually like to use Uber to and from the airport, no matter where I'm going, because I don't want to try and figure out the local transportation with a bunch of bags, a purse, and a backpack, and maybe a carry-on, and then, you know just be a nice target for pickpocketers. Then there were eco BCs, which are just an eco bike, the English version, Um, just the bike rental system. So the city was very, very bikeable. There were tons of bike lanes everywhere. It was um, a very easy app to use. It was in English and the prices cost cheap as well so for one day you could do unlimited 45 minute trips and it cost 108 pesos which is five dollars and 38 cents which you know it might change with the currency rate but about five dollars for one day unlimited then you could buy a three-day unlimited which is about ten dollars and seven-day unlimited which was eighteen dollars you could also buy a year's worth which was only twenty four dollars for a year's worth of unlimited bike rides (laughs) But for that, you have to go to a certain stand and show them your IDs. You have to pay with a card, a Mexican card. I don't think it could be an American card. And it it was just more complicated. So with the other versions, the one-day, three-day, and seven-day, 
you could use, you were given a code. So you had, you put it in the app or you can do it online. You type in all of your information and you have to use a card as well through this. And then there is rows of bikes and a little station with a kind of a keypad. So at this, you would either swipe your Eco BC card or you would type in your code and your PIN number and then you take off the bike from the rack, ride it for 45 minutes or whatever, and then you have to re-put it into the rack and then type in your code again. So I loved using those. I biked a lot to the park because I love biking and the transportation from where I was staying, I didn't want to transfer three times to go to the park. It was just easier for me to bike, get some exercise, and do something a little different, which I will talk more about in the next episode specifically. And then the last forms of transportation are the public transportation. I was so scared to use the public transportation because of everything that I read online beforehand said that it was dangerous, it was scary, all this stuff. And I have used public transportation in New York City, which is also scary and complicated. So I was a little freaked when all of these reviews of solo traveling women were saying not to do it. And honestly, I am not quite sure why. Any transportation system that you use, public transportation, there are risks involved. It can be in your hometown, it could be in New York, it could be in big cities, it can be in Europe, it can be in Asia, it doesn't matter, there are risks. You are close quarters with people, there is risk for pickpocketing, sexual harassment, all of that. But Mexico City, I felt very, very safe. And I'll tell you why in just a second, but let me explain the types and the forms of public transit that exist in Mexico City. So the two main ones that I used were the metro buses and the metro, so like the subway system. There were also trolleys, trams, trains. There are other types of buses that go throughout the city that are more local, that I used a couple of those with a Mexican friend of mine there. But the ones that I used by myself were the Metro and the Metro bus. So those are the two systems that I'm going to talk about right now. You use the same card for both. It costs 20 pesos, which is a dollar for the card. And then each ride costs 30 cents. 30 cents for a ride. In New York City, it is $2.75 to ride. That is so expensive. So 30 cents. Similar to the way New York works, you buy the card, you have to refill it up, and then you swipe it whenever you want to ride the transport, and then you go through a turnstile, and you wait. The Metro bus and the Metro. The reason why I felt so safe was because there's a separate women's car. In the front of the subway and in the front of the bus, a separate car. Some of them were pink seats some of them nothing was different you people just knew and there were signs that said women only women and children and handicap that was insane to me it took such weight off of my shoulders I felt so much more comfortable especially when I was first navigating the systems to be you know surrounded by women which generally people feel safer they don't feel like that they're going to be harassed as much by women So take note, New York, take note, any other public transportation places. When I brought this up to my friend saying how, oh, this women car is so amazing, we don't have that in New York. 
he was baffled. He just didn't understand. He was like, that's just the norm. That's what we understand. I can't go into the women's car alone because I'm a man or because I'm not a child. And I don't think it's that difficult to do, but imagine the risks that are lowered. The amount of sexual harassment that happens in New York, lowered. If they had a women's car, who do I have to call in New York to make this happen? Because I want this to happen. So those two forms were also kind of the most comprehensive because they just were more more scheduled, I guess is the easiest way to explain it. There also were specific lanes for just the buses. Now this is different than New York. New York has bus lanes, sure, but I have seen bikes in those bus lanes, I have seen cars, I have seen anything and everything in those lanes. In Mexico City, only buses are allowed. I had never seen a car. So the way that the street is structured, I I wish I could draw a picture to explain, but basically there's the two lanes going one direction, two lanes going the other direction on big streets, right? And in the middle, on both sides, there was a specific bus lane, and on the outsides of the streets were a specific bike lane. So in between the two bus lanes in the middle, there was a building-like structure, which was the station. So you would walk up to the station, you would swipe your card, go through the turnstile, and then wait into in this covering for the buses. Which means that they were easy to find because you would either look for the big red buses or the big buildings when you were trying to find a station. And also, the buses were on time, on schedule more often, and they moved faster because they didn't have to wait for cars in front of them being in traffic or anything like that. So I found it to be very efficient in comparison to the New York system. The other two buses I used were more of the local buses. One of them... It was similar to New York where it's the side of the road kind of bus bus stand, if you will, and you would wait for the bus, you'd kind of have to flag it down, and then the price depended on many different factors that I'm not 100% sure. I think it depended on where you were going and the line that it was on. So I used that bus one time, and I was with my friend, who he's a Mexican local, He paid for everything, so I don't even know how much we paid, but that bus was insanely crowded. We were standing on the steps. Me and him were standing on the steps to the entrance. I was hanging out with a bus driver. I was up there, and then, of course, two more people got on after us, you know, at the next stop, so that was very, very crowded. The other type that I used were very very local they were very small I think only 10 people could fit in them it looked like a van and you would get in ask the price you'd pay the price and everyone had to be seated because you couldn't stand up it was it was a van you were sitting in a van and that was an interesting experience as well because I would have never been comfortable doing that by myself those two I used my friend David and I'm so glad that I did get to experience it. I didn't feel unsafe by any means. I felt safe, but I just would be confused. I wouldn't know to ask for the price. And if I didn't speak Spanish, I would be even more confused on top of that. So if you don't speak Spanish, I would recommend just using the two main forms of transportation. And it's really easy to get around. And they go throughout the entire city. You just might have to 
walk a bit more instead of taking a local bus. Then the last type of bus I saw are government-owned, so all of the trips cost two pesos, which is pennies. That's so cheap. I think, what is that? Ten pennies? Ten cents? (laughs) Ten cents a ride? So those, I'm not sure it had a schedule. They didn't even have stops. So you would wait... So you would know what roads they go on. And then when you would see one pass, you would flag it down. And then you'd hop on. And then you'd just tell the driver where to get off. So those are nice because they can just kind of go wherever you need them to. But once again, if you don't speak the language, if you don't feel comfortable in that situation, they're not necessary. But I'm sure they're helpful for locals who need to go in between routes that don't exist. The last thing I will say about the transportation is the app that I used. So I used, it's called Moveit, M-O-O-V-I-T. They have it all around the world. It's a little orange icon, I believe. And basically, you would just type in your location, your destination, and it would tell you all the options how to get there, as well as showing a map um, of where the stations were, how much you had to walk, how long you'd have to wait. And for the transportation that were on a schedule, so like the metro systems and the metro bus, it would tell you what time the next one was coming and so on. It was really nice to use when I had to walk a little bit further to the next station or further to my destination. I would just take a picture of the map or zoom in and take a picture of the map. So then I would have it if I didn't have data, if I didn't have anything, I could kind of get around and find my next station or find my place. And the app is in English. There are also other apps that can be used around the world and in Mexico. I think City Mapper is City Mapper is what I used in New York, and I believe they have a Mexican branch of it as well. But once again, all in English, it would tell you the prices. Super easy. It's a nice guide for using the transportation, which I do recommend. I recommend using the public transportation in any place. You feel like a local, you hang in with the locals. Recommend. Speaking of locals. The locals speak Spanish, if you didn't know. In Mexico, they speak Spanish. So if you're going and you don't speak a lick of it, I recommend you learn some basics because not everyone will know English. They do take two years of English in their high school, but that doesn't mean anything. I had met people who were basically fluent in English, and I'd ask, oh, how did you learn? Some of them would say, oh, I lived in this state or I worked here, and some would say... I had two years of it in school, and that was kind of it for them, and they picked it up really easily. Then other people, like my friend, he took it in two years, took two years of it in school, cannot speak. He knows the basics, and if I talk to him slow enough, he can understand what I'm saying in English, but we talked in Spanish. So don't rely on people being able to speak English, like maybe if you go to Puerto Rico, everyone speaks English, that's fine but not in Mexico. So learn the basics. Learn how to be polite. Learn how to ask the prices of things. Learn how to order at a restaurant. And there are tons of lists online of what to know, how to say in Spanish. So you can just go into there, look it up. I'm not going to give you a Spanish lesson here on this podcast, but that's super helpful. And I think Spanish is a great language to learn. It's spoken in many, many, many countries throughout the world, as well as the United States. So why not? It's a beautiful language, one of the easier ones, I think. And there's so much material out there for you to learn. If you want to learn 
a different language. What I recommend is watching movies from that country, movies and TV shows but from that language, and putting the subtitles on in that language. So, for example, if you're going to watch um, a movie in Spanish, put the Spanish subtitles on so that if there's a word you don't understand, you can look it up, you can pause the movie, read through the sentence. It will combine your listening skills and your reading skills, which I have found to be very beneficial when I'm learning Spanish or a different language. The last thing I want to talk about is where to stay. So the airport is located all the way on the east side, almost... Uh, yeah, it's pretty much all the way on the east, and I stayed almost all the way on the west. I loved the area that I was in, and I actually would recommend staying in the west. You can also stay in the middle, which is, you know, the central area, but prices are more expensive, of course. It's like downtown. So the west side, you're close to the big park, Chapultepec, which I'll talk more about in the next episode. It's kind of the hub. There's a lot of touristy things to do. The museums are nearby. The transportation is great, public transit. And for me specifically, just south of me was kind of the hipster neighborhood. (laughs) So there were tons of vegan options for delivery that just kind of got delivered to me. Or if I went down to the park, I would stop there. Uh, There's specialty food stores over there as well. So I would recommend staying just to the west of the downtown. So specifically, I stayed in, it was really close to the Kiosco Morisco, which is a tourist attraction. It's this gorgeous building. So I was right next to that building. Um, Buena Vista is my location, if you want to look it up. That's where I stayed. (laughs) Um, So that's the last thing that I would recommend. Check your areas. Check to make sure it's safe. There's a couple areas in the city that are known for drug trafficking, known for violence. So maybe don't stay there because if you have to get home late at night, you might not feel the safest. And even during the day. So just do your research beforehand. There's tons of gorgeous safe things to do. But as the same as every city, there are dangers in every city. So you have to be cautious, you have to know what to look for, and do your research. So if I haven't convinced you to put Mexico City on your bucket list yet for the cheap prices and the amazing delicious cheap food, I have two more episodes for you to listen to. So listen to those. And then if you don't put it on your list, I don't know who else will convince you. So thank you for listening to the Wandering Hippie Podcast. Stay tuned for more. Check out my Instagram at Christine Chicanu, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-C-I-U-C-A-N-U. Check it out to see pictures of my trips and let me know what you think.